You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Luke chapter 22, in verse 1, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captives, captains, how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I, I pray that you be with this message, dear Lord, as, uh, as I give it. Ask your Holy Spirit uh, roam freely uh, around the church tonight, dear Lord. We ask you to be with Pastor and his family as he's away. Uh, help them to enjoy themselves. And dear Lord, uh, help him to uh, be able to enjoy the preaching as well. Uh, it's not always, uh, pastors don't always get preaching, uh, but dear Lord, we always need it. Uh, dear Lord, and I, I pray that you be with the message tonight. Uh, be with everyone in here. Help us to have a tent of ears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I tell you, I had a whole other message going, and I was just about done with it. My wife comes upstairs into the office, and, she said, and, she's, and she's like, hey, how's everything going? And I was like, I, I don't know. The Lord just, Lord just hasn't given me rest about this message. So I am three-quarters of the way through a message, and for whatever reason, I had started this message probably about four months ago. Uh, and for whatever reason, the Lord said, wasn't ready for it. So... <clears throat> I was sitting there, and I was like, I am already three-fourths of the way through this message. Lord, come, please, please. <laughs> Lord, Lord, <laughs> it is now <laughs> 8.25, and <laughs> I'm almost done. <laughs> so this is the message the Lord gave me here, so this is the one we're going we're gonna to preach tonight. Amen? So the Definition, so we're, this is kind of a popular message here, or not popular message, but a popular passage about Judas. So Judas is kind of the known person of betrayal. So definition of betrayal, to deliver into the hands of an enemy by treachery or fraud in violation or trust, to violate by fraud or unfaithfulness. How many of you here tonight could say, I've been betrayed before? Probably everybody, every single person in here. Maybe by a coworker, maybe by a family member, maybe by a sibling. Maybe by somebody who you thought was close. Maybe by that person you called a best friend. Perhaps the worst case of betrayal, which is far too common, is the betrayal of a husband and a wife, or a husband to a wife, or a wife to a husband. Betrayal is a stab in the heart, a roller coaster that turns one world upside down, often without recovery. For the morning soul, it is dark, unstable time for crying out to God in pain. Some of you have experienced such betrayal. Some of you may be going through it now. But how would you treat the betrayer if you knew in advance that he or she would betray you? What would you do? You probably wouldn't befriend him. I wouldn't. You probably wouldn't even talk to him. I, I can't say that I would either. But Jesus makes Judas one of, one of his disciples, one of his trusted men. One of his men that would go with him wherever he went. 
Jesus knew his betrayer beforehand. There have been many who betrayed us. There's been many who betrayed the country. There's many who betrayed our churches. But there's none so infamous that will always be linked to betrayal and the highest treachery. Judas. When you say betrayal, that's the first name I think of. When you say treachery, that's the first name I think of. The 22nd chapter of the book of Luke opens with a look at this man named Judas. Now, I would tell you, Judas on the, on the outside seemed like a Christian. Judas, in fact, fit in with the other 11 disciples. From the outside view, that is. If we were to look at Judas from the outside, he, he participated in many of the miracles. He was trusted by Jesus to be the treasure. At the Last Supper, he was someone that none of the other disciples thought that, he would, that, that would betray Jesus. By all external observances, Judas was a Christian. Tonight I want to examine Judas from Luke 22 and understand the importance of having right focus in a message titled, The Insider Threat, Wrong Focus. The Insider Threat, Wrong Focus. And I tell you, focus is, is so important because it's the gateway of all of our thinking. It's the gateway of our perception, our memory, our learning, our reasoning, our problem-solving. It is what you focus on is involved in your decision-making. Without right focus, all aspects of your life, I think, suffer. But what is that right focus? That right focus is to always focus on the Lord. The power of right focus is simply this. When you understand what you really want you can accomplish anything with little or no distraction. Now think of that. Think of that. If I have right focus, I can do anything and everything I want for the Lord. But now flip that around. If I have the wrong focus, you'd be pretty surprised at what you can do. Because when you make up your mind to do something, you've already made it up in your heart. And that's where you're going. That's the direction you're going to go. The power of right focus is simply this. It's not quite as easy as it sounds, but when managed properly, right focus can catapult your life into the next level. However, when you have the wrong focus, as we'll see in these verses, detrimental things can happen before we realize that we ever even had the wrong focus. Our focus, it's, sometimes it's kind of a funny thing. And at times, it's a very complicated thing. Our focus is what drives us. When we speak of someone who preserves their adversity, we say they had or have great focus. We use focus as a symbol of strength. When we weaken under the pressure of a situation, we are said to have or to lack the focus we need to make it. When we stand firm, we are said to have a great focus. When we wilt, we have no focus. If we are a callous person who does not care, we are told we have a lack of an outward focus to others. <clears throat> Many things happen to our focus, anywhere from having the determination represented by a strong focus to a crumbling 
under the pressure. There's something else that happens to our focus. And that is the wrong focus. Tonight we'll focus on our thoughts on Judas's wrong focus. Judas offers us a look at how wrong focus causes a heart to drift. And with wrong focus, that your heart begins to drift from the Lord. Additionally, when we have wrong focus, it, it causes us to drift from our, our marriages. It causes us to drift from our families. Look at me in Luke 22, verse 1 and 2. As we examine point one, wrong focus leads to bad ideas. Wrong focus leads to bad ideas. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him. And they feared the people. So at this point in the book of Luke, the religious leaders have really been grieved by Jesus for some time now. They were continually seeking ways to trap him. They were trying to find, really, they were trying to find a fault in him. They were trying to find some reason why they could prove him wrong. In essence, really, the religious leaders were just jealous. They were jealous that, one, Jesus pretty much always humiliated them and made them look bad in front of the crowds. The religious leaders would ask, him, would ask questions of Jesus. Things, questions that they thought Jesus didn't know. What did Jesus do? He answered the question, but then asked them a question back that they couldn't answer. This infuriated the religious leaders. Now in the, in the book of Luke here, we're in, we're in the final days of Jesus' ministry, and the, the Jewish leaders were really, if you think about it, the Jewish leaders were pretty much at a breaking point. They were at a breaking point because they needed to find a way to discredit or to get rid of Jesus once and for all. The problem for them, though, was it was Passover time, the Festival of Unleavened Bread. So the Festival of Unleavened Bread is a, a week-long celebration during the month of Nisan. If you look at that word, it actually looks like Nissan, but it's Nisan. Nissan's a car. They didn't have cars back then. <coughs> So Nisan, which is usually in the month of March, during which the Passover meal was celebrated. During this time, all of the males, 12 and over, were required to come. So can you imagine the crowds? If you're one of the religious leaders, you're like, how are we going to knock off Jesus now? How are we going to get rid of him? How are we going to kill him? Not only that, half of these people are followers of him. Now if we go out and try to do something, we're, we're liable to get mobbed or start a riot. The, the religious leaders, as verse 2 tells us, were just that. They were afraid. And if you see at the end of verse 2 there, they feared the people. Now, that word feared in, in this verse is, is not like, I, I'm scared. They're, that word there is, is being overly concerned about others' thoughts. They feared what the others might think. They feared that they would ruin their reputation as the religious leaders. However, the leaders were still watching and waiting for an opportunity to put him to death without causing their own deaths. 
knowing that if they, if they were to start something in the middle of this crowd, that, that more than likely they would start, a riot would break out, and more than likely they would lose their lives before Jesus lost his. Time out now. Let's talk about Judas really quickly. Judas was one of the original 12 disciples that Jesus picked, who later became his apostles. We do not know a tremendous number of things about Judas. However, he may have been a zealot. And going through this and kind of studying this, I really never knew what a zealot was. Everybody know what a zealot is? Maybe I'm just the only one that didn't know. So a zealot was an aggressive political party whose concern for the national and religious life of the Jewish people led them to despise even the Jews who sought peace and conciliation with the Roman authorities. So essentially, they, they did, it was a religious party who believed so much in their beliefs that they were, they were really willing to fight for it. In basic terms, a political party who wanted to get Israel out from under Roman rule, and they were prepared to do anything for it. In spite of that, Jesus picked Judas to be one of the original 12 disciples. Again, kind of going back to our first question, if you knew that somebody was going to betray you, would you go to all this trouble? One has to think that from the very beginning, Judas... As, as his time of a, of, as a disciple it had to have been exciting. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine walking with Jesus? Can you imagine talking with Jesus? Can you imagine having the firsthand teachings from Jesus? What, what an amazing sight. What an amazing feeling. However, somewhere along the line, something changed with Judas. How do you go from being picked by Jesus to being one of his closest followers to what he's about to do. At some point, Judas had a different agenda than, Judas, than Jesus. If he was a zealot, maybe he was hoping that Jesus was going to essentially kick the Romans out of Israel and reestablish the prominence of Israel once again to restore the nation as its former glory. Whatever his issue was, it was safe to say he had a wrong focus when it came to teaching and the vision of Jesus. Judas was the treasurer of the group, so he handled all the money. Look at me in John 12. John 12, verse 4 through 6. So John says, Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. So we find that John states that Judas was essentially stealing money, and they knew it. We can see some of the signs that Judas had a wrong focus in just this passage alone. So Jesus was... At home, at the home where, with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, when Mary, Mary anointed Jesus' feet with spikenard, or perfume. However, Judas didn't care about the poor. He cared about the money. And that's essentially why he said, and made such a big deal about it, that do you realize what this could have been sold for? 
It could have been sold, and that would have been 300 more dollars or 300 more pence in my pocket because essentially he was, yeah, filling the money box, but then taking what he wanted to. So Judas had a wrong focus, and that wrong focus opened up his heart to some bad ideas. One of those bad ideas was one, stealing. But when your focus is not in the right place, it can open the door for you to consider making some of these bad choices. Kind of going to back to maybe real-life situations here. It's When you have a wrong focus, all of a sudden, the idea of maybe cheating on your spouse may become a reality. If you're not focused on God and His infinite mercy, all of a sudden the idea of taking on what the world has to offer becomes a possibility. When you have that wrong focus, the things that the world has to offer all of a sudden become something you want. Something you have to have. When you have a wrong focus and you're not focused on what the Lord has given you and all your blessings... All of a sudden, you have that idea to steal something. Now, I would tell you that I haven't always been this active in church. There's a time in my life I call the, the dark period. <laughs> and my wife laughs. <laughs> so there was a time there in my 20s and early 30s, where I got away from church. I didn't consider we needed to be here. It's a, if I go Sunday morning, that's good enough. And I would tell you, my focus started to become on things of the world. I started to focus on my career was everything. I started to focus on working those 40-hour weeks, but then working the 40 hours of overtime as well. I started to become focused on looking like the world. Many of you in here may not know it, but at one point in time, I had five earrings, and I have nine tattoos. I would tell you that that wrong focus led me to some dark situations. But that wrong focus kept me going after those things. That wrong focus of, I like what the world has to offer, and I, I, like, what, I like what all the, the movie stars, and I like what Hollywood has to offer. I want to look like the world. So therefore, I did. But I would tell you, teenagers especially, don't do it. Don't do it. I would tell you that it seems like a fun thing to do. It seems, oh, everybody's doing it. But I would tell you, as you get older, as you get older, sorry I'm saying that, but, <laughs> and now that I'm, I'm so involved in the church, and, and I wouldn't have any other way. This life is the only life. And this life is the only life for my family. Because I've seen where those wrong focuses lead. I've seen where those staying out all night long and partying with friends leads. I've seen where those, I can't go to church because I'm going to go to work, 
leads. I've seen where spending eight hours in a tattoo parlor leads, and you see some really crazy people. <laughs> Me being one of them. I would tell you that there are some sins that you can't get rid of. There are some sins that will stick with you for the rest of your life. Because of that wrong focus, because of that one split-second decision, because of all of a sudden, this is the way I wanted to go, those decisions can last a lifetime. And I would tell you, my decision to have the earrings, yeah, okay, I, can, I took them out and they can close up. But my decision to get those tattoos, now for the rest of my life, I will constantly see those and go back to that time. There are some sins, some things you see that you'll never unsee. There are some things that you'll do that, yeah, you can repent from them, but you don't forget them. Think about some of the dumb things we've done in life. <laughs> when we look back at the ideas, were they dumb? No. When I made these decisions, I thought, hey, it's the greatest decision ever. But because of that wrong focus, it put us in a wrong place. And it put us in a position to have some bad ideas. Wrong focus leads to bad ideas, but wrong focus leads to something worse. Look at me in Luke 22, 3. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of 12. My second point here. Wrong focus gives Satan the opportunity to enter. Wrong focus gives Satan the opportunity to enter. Because of the wrong focus, Judas is at the breaking point. Some point to the event at, at the home of... Some point that, that the event at Mary and Martha's house is, is where his breaking point was. Nonetheless, Judas is all out of sorts. And what happens when our life is all out of sorts? Satan sees it as a perfect opportunity to strike. Once we come out of that hedge of protection, once we start having some of these bad ideas, Satan's real quick to jump on them. And he's real quick to tell you that nobody will find out. Nobody will know. Nobody will know anything about it. Go do it. Go live life. Follow your heart. That's a bad idea. Satan's part in the betrayal of Jesus, Jesus does not remove any of the responsibility from Judas. Maybe Judas, not understanding Jesus' mission, mission, no longer believed that Jesus was God's chosen one. Whatever, Jesus, whatever Judas thought, Satan assumed that Jesus' death would end Jesus' mission. Satan, he's not dumb, he saw this as a perfect opportunity. He saw this as a perfect opportunity. Judas is all out of sorts. Judas is making some bad ideas. He's having some thoughts about some bad ideas. He's already doing some bad things. Game on. So 
Satan enters, enter, enters Judas and Now we're, how, well, now we're about to enter. Well, Satan entered, entered into Judas. And then I lost my place here. <laughs> like Judas, so Satan, Satan, because he's not omnipresent like the Lord, didn't know that Jesus' death and resurrection were the most important parts of God's plan. It's the amazing part of this verse is Satan thinks he's all planning things out and Satan thinks he's on a roll and Satan thinks he's like, oh, I got him now. Oh, I got him now. All along, he's playing into God's plan. Isn't it amazing that we have an omnipresent Lord? When our focus is not in the proper place, we're open to bad ideas and once our heart and mind are open to bad ideas, the door is propped wide open for you know who. We open that door and Satan enters right in. When your focus in life is not right, your heart will begin to drift. I would imagine that Judas did not go into this apostle thing thinking he was going to ultimately betray Jesus. I honestly believe that he didn't join into this or he didn't want Jesus to pick him just because he knew he was going to betray him. I believe that through all of this and Judas having these bad ideas and having the wrong focus and starting to focus on the wrong things in the world really changed his heart. I think he loved Jesus and was excited to be with him. He was trusted and, and shown by being the one who handled the money box for the group. I'm sure that following Jesus for a long time was great. However, his heart was slowly drifting away. Judas had an agenda that was not the same as Jesus. And his improper focus led him to open to Satan entering to the picture with him. Many times in problem marriages, the, the heart of one of both individuals or both individuals slowly drifts from the other. One day you do not wake up and despise your spouse. Usually your heart has been drifting slowly away. But your, but your heart has been slowly drifting away because the wrong focus. Then as your heart drifts, you pull your focus, and, and then bad things start to happen. All of a sudden, the grass looks greener on the other side. The world looks appealing. But friend, I'm here to tell you, you'll never be happy with the wrong focus. That wrong focus leads me to my third point. Wrong focus leads to destruction. Wrong focus leads to destruction. As we finish up here, uh, Luke 22, verse 4 through 6. And he went his way and, and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and, and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him until them in the absence of the multitude. So once Judas opened the door for Satan, Judas was led down a path of destruction. Verse 4, heads over, he heads over to the chief priests and captains to discuss how he might betray Jesus. Judas, at this point, was going to give the religious leaders exactly, exactly what they wanted. They were going to get Jesus without starting a riot, and they were going to get Jesus as he's away from the followers. 
Judas agrees to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, according to Matthew 26, 14 through 15. If you're looking at, at the sum of money, it was relatively a small sum. It was relatively a small sum that for our Savior. That wages was equivalent to five months' wages for a regular labored person or for the redemption of a slave. Judas, if you think about it, could have stolen a considerably more over the time by just remaining the treasure of the group. However, he doesn't. The heart of, the heart of Judas drifted so far that Jesus became, or G Jesus, because of wrong focus, that he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It's no, no coincidence that that price is essentially the equivalent to a slave. The redemption of a slave. At this point, Judas is saying in so many words that the Son of God is equivalent to that slave. Judas sowed his own seeds of destruction for about five weeks' worth of labor. Skipping ahead here, Jesus was eventually arrested, was beaten, and finally crucified. And then all of a sudden, Judas has a change of heart. Once the destruction has happened, and he sees just how bad it gets, he has a change of heart. In Matthew 27, 3 through 5, we'll turn there really quickly. Matthew 27. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went and hanged himself. Jesus sold out Judah, or Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Judas allowed his heart to drift so far away from Jesus that he ended his own life in shame. He had gone so far and thought he was on the right path with that wrong focus until he saw the consequences. Until he saw the Son of God beaten and mocked and crucified. At that point, he realized what he had done. He realized that he had betrayed the Son of God. And after that, he really, he, he couldn't live with himself. So he runs and hangs himself. What are you willing to give in return for wrong focus? What are you willing to give? What are you willing to lose to gain what that wrong focus wants you to have? Are you willing to lose your husband, your wife? Your children, your friends, your family, your own soul? Are you willing to lose your church? What are your 30 pieces of silver? In your life, what could you say is worth those 30 pieces of silver with that wrong focus? Would you say that Going out and, and being friends with the world and having one step, one foot in the world and one foot in church, would that be your 30 pieces of silver? 
How do you protect your focus? How do you protect it? If your focus can cause so much damage, how do you protect it? We need to make sure we focus on the right thing. And that right thing is Jesus. If you're facing troubles in your life, if you're facing temptations in your life, quit placing your focus on what you perceive as the problem or what you perceive the flesh wants. Focus on Jesus and he will walk you through it. He will take you through it. But you got to focus on him. Stop focusing on what the world wants you to do. Stop focusing on what your flesh says you should do. Your flesh will always lead you astray. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, where your focus is. In that verse, essentially you're saying your focus is on that treasure. Wherever that focus is, there will your heart be. Focus on Jesus and see how, how, how life will be different. Trust me, from a first-hand experience, it's awesome. The life of following Jesus and following Jesus' will in our lives is more than anything. It's more than anything money can buy. It's more than anything a famous person could have. The life of following God's will is the only way. Focus on Jesus and the cares of this world simply fade away. Focus on Jesus. If you take one step, he'll meet you with arms wide open. But it means you have to have a different focus. You have to realize that I'm going down the wrong path. As my wife and I did, we realized that something's got to change. Something's got to change. Or our marriage, our children, our home is going to be broken. Something has to change. But it comes to that realization that something's got to change. I can't keep going the way I'm going. I can't keep trusting my flesh. I can't keep following the world. Are, we, are you willing to change your focus? Are you willing to be like Judas? Are you willing to be like Judas and allow focus to lead to bad ideas? In turn, allowing focus to allow Satan in. And in the end, allowing a wrong focus to lead to destruction. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.